if you will, help me welcome Dean G. from Dalton, Georgia. Thank you, Linda, for introducing me. And yes, we serve together. And she's heard some of this talk before. And I'd also like to thank um, the state uh, prepaid convention for inviting me to speak. And uh, you'll only determine at the end of the speak, uh, speech whether it was a good idea or not. But uh, I guess I am in God's hands up here and would like to thank um, the Dalton Fellowship Al-Anon group members that I'm a part of and have been a part of since um, May of 1986 for being present here. My wife, uh, my first sponsor, good friends from Dalton are here and it's uh, sometimes hard to speak in front of your um, home group, let alone hometown. And I'd usually go out of town to make my first talks because I found it was easier to maybe tell half-truths away from town. So I'm glad to be here and uh, uh, glad to get this opportunity to talk to you today. We're supposed to tell what it's like and uh, what it was like and uh, maybe our hopes for the future and to share our experience, strength, and hope. I've taken a lot of joy from attending the AA speaker meetings. Um, the AAs seem to meet on a much more regular basis and share their stories than us Allen honors. We're, we don't seem to share them as often. <laughs> uh, but I've got a lot of growth out of talking um, and uh, I hope to do it more and, and when I'm offered a chance I, I hope to. My theme for this talk uh, is I've taken as a quote by uh, August Wilson uh, and it was from page 111 of Al-Anon's Courage to Change. And the quote is, You get to the point where your demons, which are terrifying, get smaller and smaller, and you get bigger and bigger. Um, that quote means a lot to me, and I think I really started growing in, in Al-Anon only in June of 1991. Um, when one of my greatest demons was revealed to me that day. The day was kind of eventful. I had an opportunity at work to present sort of my life's work in inventory management to one of the vice presidents at work. Did that in the afternoon and uh, didn't go all that well. I think I bought a car that day and I was going to speak to my Dalton home group that evening and it's really the first time I ever spoke to my home group. I, I had spoken out of town before uh, down in the Rock Mart area and that was pretty easy and my story then was mostly of I came to Al-Anon in 1986. I came here because I qualified. Um, my brother uh, is in recovery. Uh, my dear friend George, my first sponsor, is sitting on this front row to keep an eye on me. He said, I qualify, and I'd met George in California, and, and he said, I, I qualify to come to Al-Anon, and I was in the middle of a bad marriage, and that first story was mostly about a bad marriage. And um, the people in the group were very helpful to me. But when I spoke in that, I think, 
May or June of 91 to my home group. Uh, preparing for it and getting ready for it, I went through the talk and gave pretty much the old talk of, you know, I came to Al-Anon through a bad marriage. It's been very helpful. I love you all. You know, it's gone well. But at the end of the talk, I said, right near the end, I said, you know, I don't really like my brother. And I, I'm real happy living away from my mother. I grew up in uh, Ashland, Ohio, and so it's nice for me to live away from where my parents are, mostly my mother. But that was at the very end of the talk, and I went home that night and went to bed, and, and my demons came out and came to visit me at about 2 in the morning. I woke up from the middle of a nightmare, and what was revealed to me for the first time in my life I'll say that again. What I experienced was a revelation that I had suppressed from when I was like three or four years old, but I relived where my brother and his friends hung me in a tree uh, by my arms as a child, and they went off and left me there. And that revelation is really, I have a horrible fear <laughs> of talking in front of strange groups and it affected me my entire life and I never knew why until that night um, at times I can talk well and do well if it's a good group but I never knew all the time growing up when that demon would come out and, and get me, I would just get this feeling in my chest that it just closed down. I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. And what it, what it did for me is it shamed me. I always felt this feeling of shame that I wasn't right or couldn't, you know, I wasn't good at living or something. So... The story is going to change a little today, and, and the story is going to be what it was like growing up with my brother Gary. Um, and, and I guess really to say, we, we talk about in Al-Anon that, that this is a disease of alcoholism, and sometimes it can be genetic, and, and they're really good people, they just suffer from a disease. And I think my understanding now of my brother is he had this genetic disease probably from the time he was five years old or even younger. I grew up in Ashland, Ohio. I'm, I'm the middle child. I have an older brother, Gary, and a younger sister, Nancy. And some of my first recollections as a child would be, I think, a recollection at three. I went to live with my grandparents. And I was living with my grandparents because my mother had had a nervous breakdown after the uh, birth of my sister. And I think that was always a family secret. I don't know how it really affected my brother, but at that time he was about five, five and a half, so I'm sure it affected my brother. Um, That first recollection was a summer, and I think why I recollect it is my grandmother told me to wear a hat because I was riding around on the back of a tractor in the farm, and I, I told grandmother that 
I didn't need to wear a hat. She convinced me I needed to wear that hat. Um, some of my other recollections, early recollections, were my parents built a house when I think I was around six years old. And um, when we moved into the new house and going off to the, to the new school, my brother uh, and I took off riding on a bike and we were heading for the school. And my brother would take off and leave me. He, um, he went ahead with his friends and there I was lost. And I know when I talked in, I think, 1993 at the assembly, I said the same thing with my brother. I never knew when my brother would sell me <laughs> down the river. Um, the fear of living with my brother was what would happen to me because there was never... At times he would rescue me from trouble and at other times he'd put me in trouble. So it was a scary time living with my brother. The other part of it was I remember being a very angry child at six. When we moved into that new house and there were some new friends there, I remember at that age wrestling, that TV wrestling in the early 50s. I was born in 49, so that would have been about 55, 56. They had that television wrestling for the older timers and for the young people. They still have wrestling. Um, but I remember wrestling with those neighborhood children, and I think I wanted to rip their arms off. Uh, because my brother was always about, he was always the two and a half, three years older, but he was always about 30, 40, and 50 pounds larger than I was, heavier. So I never felt I was able to do anything about my brother or to my brother. I wish I, now I wish at times I could have taken a baseball bat and whacked him one or something. But I think the issue with my mother was I never got any satisfaction of what my brother could do or do to me, that he was always out of control and I seemed to be the one that was always getting the brunt of his being out of control. The interesting thing is I shared a room with my brother. For all of you that shared a room with siblings, um, you should have had my brother. <laughs> um, some of the later recollections of, of Gary and mine together is in sharing that room, one time we had an argument over who owned 43 cents. And for 43 cents, and God knows it was my money, he, he went and got me down and he was tromping on my head. And, and I think, again, the consequences of... I would get the consequences, but my brother would never have to pay many consequences for his actions. And I wish, you know, I probably as a child, I wish my parents would have done something about my brother, but it never seemed to happen. Um, so that the early recollections were, were some of those recollections. Later, um, my brother graduated from high school in 66, and he went off and joined the Marines. Uh, I graduated in 67 and, and went to uh, college at at the Miami University in Ohio. 
Um, and that was at the time of the Vietnam War, and, and my brother was in in the Marines, and, and he had some duty in Iceland, and to say how crazy my brother was, he asked to go to Vietnam a little later, and he went. Um, I didn't do well in college. One of the recollections in college is I took a college speech course. I took a college speech course. How shaming that was when I got up there in front of all those strangers because then when I went off to college, everybody I faced in the world was strange. And, and this is really the first admission I've made of that was college was very difficult for me because I didn't have any of what I thought were friends. And what I've learned later was that same feeling always hit my chest when I would say a word or two. When I talked, I could usually say a word or two, but I would associate probably as a child that day I got hung in the tree. I must have come up to the older to my brother and his friends and must have said hi or something and a little later I found myself in a tree and I think subconsciously I associated I can say a few words but it was that fifth word that would get me hung and and that's how it usually struck me I could get by and talk for a little while but eventually the fear would hit and and I wasn't able to talk and it it in college, oh, it was bad. <laughs> I didn't get a good grade in speech, I can guarantee you. Um, and I flunked out in um, March of 70, uh, and I joined the Navy. And about the time I got out of boot camp, my brother was getting out of, um, out of the Marines. And so that was pretty good, because when my brother was coming home, I wasn't there, and that was fine. You know, that was okay to be away from Gary. Uh, so he went, we were from a small college town, Ashland, Ohio, and he went to college, started college there. Um, he started bothering my parents when he, when he was working and he was drinking and, and rolled his car five times or something. So it went on that I went to the service and I guess one of the times I got selected to be a driver for the uh, admirals of the East Atlantic, the whole Atlantic something or other and, and I, I had to go around and do a little talking. That was a nice experience. You, the crazy part for me was that you would want to do something but if you tried to do it you'd have to end up speaking and that, that was horrible. You know, you, I would want to do, but I'd have to speak. And I, at the time, the real scary part was I didn't know why I couldn't speak. And now, it's easier now that I know. Um, so I, in flunking out, going in the service, when I got out of the service, Lo and behold, my brother had moved to California, and a little later after I got out of the service, went back to college, graduated from college, my brother wants to move back to Ashland, Ohio. Subconsciously, 
I'm working for a jelly company in Orville, Ohio, and an opportunity came to transfer to the West Coast, and I said, I'm out of here. West Coast. Gary back in Ohio, Dean to the West Coast. So I took off for the West Coast. What I've learned probably later in one of the things I've learned from the program that this is a very spiritual program but along that journey I lost my faith and I didn't have faith and what I understand now is I couldn't speak and I gave up faith also you know I would move away from the family because I didn't necessarily whether either trust them or I feared my brother and I didn't trust my parents could ever um, make anything right with my brother but knowing now what I lost was was religion and faith a God of my understanding I would just you know I went into a wilderness and stayed in a wilderness so I moved to Northern California um, and while working in Northern California um, a young lady that came to work for me said, asked a question about me, well, what, what are you or who are you? And oh, I, at the time I was so secretive and guarding of if I gave me away I wouldn't have anything left. You know, if I talked about me, I would lose me. And um, that was a just a, I guess then a, where I was is um, if I didn't guard something as a secret I would be lost a little later I moved to Southern California and that's where I ended up meeting my first sponsor a little later but I didn't God provided the sponsor before I realized I needed him uh, he's funny about those things I guess um, but I went to work for a carpet company in Los Angeles a little later and ended up being, when they closed that mill, being transferred back here to Dalton. Um, when I came back here to Dalton, um, I got married in, in May of 1985. And at the dinner last night, we were kind of joking about an a incident that happened. I went shopping a little before the, the wedding, and the family came in for the wedding, and uh, Gary was there also for the wedding and um, I bought some real expensive mustard and I wasn't I didn't take it back it was like eight dollars for a jar of mustard and um, we were making sandwiches before the wedding and I was kidding them that if, if they put enough mustard on to taste it it was too much but when my brother was there on my wedding day and we were getting my parents were there my brother was there sister was there and they were all staying at my house that morning and lo and behold my brother stirs something up and he and my dad are about ready to go at it that morning and dad has to tell him Gary this is Dean's day stay out of it and uh, it's just when I look back on it just being around my brother was was a pain and it's been interesting lately Sandy my wife's out there in the third row my brother's been calling lately and and he wants to get in touch and have more of a relationship 
And if I'd been in Al-Anon ten years, I probably should have turned him over to God and forgiven him by now, but I'm ornery. I think part of the talking about this is, is I'm on that journey of turning him over to God um, to understand he was a child. Sandy's been very helpful in that he's been... When I was hung, he was a child. I was a child. Um, the understanding now is we're all children of God and in um, and, and our journeys, his journey. And, and I may not have liked the time I spent from 4 to 41, uh, but other people in the Bible have gone through their times in the wilderness also. It's nice to be in a program of Al-Anon and have the friends I have from AA uh, because I know I'm loved. Uh, I know that I can have the faults I have and will still be loved. But going back to Gary and, and being there at the wedding and, and the understanding of Gary, I came to Al-Anon a year later saying I was in a bad marriage. My understanding today is I may have had a better marriage if if I would have if God would have revealed to me earlier what he revealed to me I got married in 85 I wasn't revealed that hanging incident until 91 so I didn't understand a lot about me until that was revealed to me so the early talks like I say would focus on what that marriage was like and how horrible that was well that was then and, and she probably wasn't all that bad and I I probably saw a lot of the experiences we went through as being another living with Gary episode uh, so my story's changed over time I don't focus on on that marriage and I'm not really focusing on Gary being the problem for my life. I'm trying to figure out since 91, how do I get up in front of groups? So I've made an effort when I'm offered a chance to speak at church or some place at, at the assembly for Al-Anon is to take a chance and get up and, and admit um, some of the problems I've had in talking maybe that'll make somebody else have an easier time um, in in some of those first talks being in Al-Anon and being in the group early on the focus was on how do I help get this marriage together and then I guess my personal growth was how do I get Dean better? You know, I dropped the how do I work on getting the marriage better and went to how to how to make Dean get better. And that helped me a lot in my life. Pretty much the same with the group. When the group got and really focused on the steps and the traditions and kept the focus on ourselves within our own Al-Anon meeting, it was remarkable how well the Al-Anon meeting grew in attendance and in quality because the members we were focusing on how do we make ourselves get better not on on a story we could have told and I guess I'm freely admitting my story for the first five years in Al-Anon 
was the only story I could, I could tell because um, the real truth didn't come out until about 1991. Since, um, since being revealed that story, um, God's put a lovely wife in my life and she was down the hall in one of those other rooms and uh, she was winking at me every now and then. But she didn't realize I needed glasses and I couldn't see her wink. <laughs> but, uh, but God's put Sandy in my life. We have a daughter, Tara, that's 18 at home. Um, it's her birthday today. They've been a great inspiration to my life. We have four other grown children and seven grandchildren. Uh, it's helpful to me in dealing with them and other um, the disease of alcoholism within our family and our combined families. Uh, the disease is still active. Other people have just sought out Al-Anon. It's nice to share with them. It's nice to talk with them about growth that you can get out of being in this family. Um, the family of AA and Al-Anon's meant a lot to me in, in spiritual growth. After 1991, uh, in September of 91, Sandy and I got married, and a little after that, Tara talked us into getting back to church. And, and I think Al-Anon helped me rekindle my spirituality and, and really the AA speakers meetings helped a lot. Just the humanity of being in the program m means a great deal to me. I was able to get back to church and you know what? I wanted to read scriptures at church. Do you know what? I can't do that. Even after it was revealed to me why I couldn't speak, I would go to read scriptures in Sunday school, read two words and go, Arr. it wouldn't work. And I'd go home and feel so much shame, but at least I knew why I couldn't read. So, <laughs> a little later, um, I took a disciple course. I'm, we joined the Methodist Church. They have a 34-week disciple Bible study. Uh, sort of like another fellowship, walking with 12 other people that you learn to tell stories of, of your life to. And I think I shared that story of Gary and, and, and myself to them. And it made... I'm finding the more I share the secret of my shame of of not being able to talk, the easier it gets for me to talk. Um, that first disciple course meant a lot to me, and I went off on a spiritual retreat. I think my wife signed me up for it. She'd been before and thought I needed it. So she sent me to it. I did a, a walk to Emmaus, and I... And I, I guess I understood the God of my understanding then that I could turn this pain over to Him. I took up the cross and figured when I couldn't speak, I'd ask God's will in my life to help me speak. And I understand today that there are going to be times I can't speak and it's all right. And um, if I wait probably a little while, it'll the fear will go away. And a lot of my journey has been away from fear and, and toward 
faith, faith in the higher power of my understanding. Um, and I enjoy this fellowship because I know y'all love me even though I've got my warts uh, and can't speak well. The, the neat thing about, I guess, my brother and my relationship, after Sandy and I got married, we went home and, and Sandy met my brother. And we remember being home one Thanksgiving and my brother has got the bluest blue eyes. But when he was in the disease, he didn't have such clear blue eyes. But at home, my brother has so much... I guess passion or life in him but he'll get going and his eyes will just go real bright and they'll get bluer and bluer but I guess his understanding today is he can't burn his candle too bright and so he would shut his eyes down or his power down because he'd get out of control and that's the Gary I probably experienced most of my life my brother is in recovery I think he is getting better. About four to five years ago, my brother's son took up doing the drugs and the drinking. Um, my brother had to say, you won't be able to live here to, to his son. Uh, his son got a lot of fame early in sports as like a freshman or a sophomore and, and ran, ran around with an older crowd. Uh, they had the foresight when, when their son left home to increase their insurance coverage to about as much as they could get a hold of. Well, the son went out and got in an auto accident and I guess was injured pretty badly on the front of his face, but it caused a bleeder in the back of his brain and it took about eight days to get it stopped. And so... I guess he lost about all the sight in one eye and most of the sight in the other eye, but he, he's able to walk and, and get around. But my brother's calling me more. Uh, he wants to get in touch. I think we're both coming to the understanding, maybe separately, of what we were and how we lived. There's still secrets in our family. After it was revealed to me in 91 about the hanging incident I was able to go home and, and talk to my parents and at least say you know that affected me um, my mother was able to say that's your brother Gary <laughs> so there's not going to be a lot of resolution in my life from my parents over that matter that they're just into that's him you should have been their parent, his parents. Um, but it's it's been a growth experience for me. Um, I am wrestling with there's there's got to be a way to turn my brother over to to God and to get on. I'm trying to get on with my life about speaking. Uh, I'm trying to do other things in other areas. Um, the courage to change. Hey, Al-Anon has helped me a great deal in the understanding of most th most of the things I thought about when I first came to Al-Anon. I knew were the old dean, 
and most of the things that I thought about if I kept the understanding that what I first thought about probably went all the way back to when I was four years old that's all I'd get was that four-year-old hanging in the tree and if I wanted to change I would have to think a little slow down a little and and do what wasn't my first thought and that's that's scary uh, but I guess I'm going to hang on to this and some faith and hang on to those people in the in the rooms that we go to uh, I enjoy go, going to the AA speakers meeting a great deal just for the spirituality uh, I'm thankful for being here and getting the chance to talk to you um, if I go out and visit my brother, you'll know there's growth coming. <laughs> but he's back in California now. That's the other thing. We, we do manage to keep about a continent apart. And uh, I think I will end up visiting my brother. I've had a good time trying to tell this story. I tried to make notes, but you would have had to live with my brother to have... The notes were... We took life as life came, and sometimes it was fun. It wasn't always bad. Uh, my wife would probably remind me to say there were some good times also. Uh, may have to think about that for a while. But I, I thank you for coming, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today. Thank you.